every now and then you come across something that just strikes you as so very important. And in this world today, in this perversion we're facing on a minute-by-minute -minute basis, this is so very important. So the other night we talked of historical facts. We talked of Gallio, Claudius, and the Jews being sent out of Rome. All historical fact. If the Bible is accurate in one thing, it must be accurate in all. Just as the world wants the Bible to be wrong in everything, if it's wrong in one single place. There's nothing wrong, no contradictions in the Bible. Has it ever occurred to you to question why the Holy Bible, God's Word, of all the religious texts, is the only one that has actual historical events in them? We are given names, times, and places that we can see, that we can use to bear out the truth of the book. God's given us landmarks, people in history, events in history, places in history that we can use to verify His Word. As if we need to actually verify the Word of God. But for those who doubt, there it is. If the Bible is accurate, and it is, then there must be a God. There must be a truth. There must be an authority that is higher than man. And if that is the case, then modern man is in trouble because they have tried to make themselves out as the final authority. If the Bible is true, then Jesus is God. And if he is God, then all he said must be true. Now, we are going to be as Paul today. We are going to say, let God be true and every man a liar. That's what we're going to say. That's our premise this morning because I believe the book. So let's look at some things that must be true. If historical fact proves out the historical Bible, then the words of God in the pages of the Bible must be true. So the first thing we're going to look at is hell. Man wants to say there is no hell. Man wants to say a good and gracious God would not create a place like that to send man. Let's look at that, shall we? Jesus, who is God, Jesus is God, and he says... Luke 16, 23, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, that is in the plural, torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Jesus himself tells of the poor man, and he doesn't call it a parable, he doesn't call it a story, he calls it, he says, there was a rich man. There was a poor man, a rich man, clothed in fine clothes, living in a big house. A poor man that begged at the gate of the rich man. Now, they both died, and how the rich man opened his eyes in hell, in torments. Just got there, and he's already in torments. If Jesus is God, and he speaks of hell then that means there is a hell. If the Bible is true, then there is a Jesus. If there is a Jesus, then he is God. And if he is God, then his words speak true. Man says there is no hell. Man says there is only heaven. 
God says hell was created for the devil and his angels. God says man's choice is to be with God or to be with the devil and his angels. That is man's choice. God created hell for the devils and the angels. He created paradise for man. We messed that up. He created heaven. Now you have a choice. In the Bible, if it's real, and it is, because we have historical fact to back it up. If Jesus is real, and he is, we have historical fact to back it up. Hell is real. It is a place created for the devil and his angels. It is a place where man will go. For man will either choose the devil or man will choose God. That is the choice. That's the only choice in this life that truly matters. Jesus also spoke of hell again when he told Peter that the gates of hell would not prevail against his, Jesus' church. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus spoke about hell quite a few times. He warned, he warned Capernaum that they would go to hell for their unbelief. He told of the torment of hell. He spoke of the power of hell. There is a lot there of hell. It's true. It's real. And if God be true, and every man a liar, then there is a hell, and it is a place of eternal torments. Revelation 1.18, Christ is talking to the churches. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Christ not only talks of hell, he has the keys to hell. He has the keys to death. He has gained the victory over both if you but choose him. If you choose the devil and his angels, you choose hell. In Revelations, Jesus is alive forevermore. And he has the keys of hell and of death. It is a serious place. It is a tormenting place. And it is a real place. Jesus tells us of it. Jesus warns us of it. And Jesus tells us how to avoid it. Man says there is no hell. There is no eternal punishment. There is no eternal torment. That's what man says. God says, oh yes, there is. Let God be true, and every man a liar. What about Satan? Is Satan real? Well, Jesus was led into the desert by the Spirit. There, he meets up with the devil, with Satan. And he is tempted by Satan. Unless Christ was completely delusional, and none of this is real, Satan is real, for Christ met up with him. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Jesus believed the devil was real. He's God. The Spirit of God led Jesus to the wilderness to face the test, a tempting of the devil. Yet not only did Jesus go to this place to be tempted, he went in as weak a condition as you can possibly be in as a human. 
He does not eat for 40 days or 40 nights. I guess he wanted to show us that in our weakest times, our weakest state, if we lean on the Spirit, if we lean on God, if we lean on the Scriptures, we can beat the temptations and we can resist the wiles of the devil. Now, why do I say that if we lean on the Scriptures? Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't stand up in his power and go, Devil, you're bad, go away. No, he said, God said, it is written. He used the Holy Scriptures to fight the devil. He quoted the Scriptures. He knew the Word of God well enough that he caught the lies of the devil, the half-scriptures, the twisted words, and he refuted them with the true word of God. Satan is real. Jesus knows it. Demons are real. They know Jesus. They are aware of him. He is aware of them. And he has the power over them. He has the keys to death and hell. He is real. Thereby, the devil is real because Jesus said he was. The demons are real because Jesus said they were. There are those that will tell you Satan doesn't exist. That he is a myth. That he is a scapegoat that Christians use. A boogeyman, if you will. Jesus believed in him enough that the devil, that the devil is real that he allowed Satan to take him to two different places for temptation. Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. Satan comes tooling along, and he says, if you be God, make these stones bread. Jesus didn't fall for that sin, because it would have been sin. Takes him up to the mountaintop, takes him to the highest pinnacle. Jesus knew Satan, and trusted him enough, well, not trust, but allowed him to take him to these places. Satan was real. Satan is real. If Jesus, who is God, believes in Satan, then perhaps we ought to as well. But does he speak of Satan just one time? No, he also speaks of Satan's work. Luke 13, 16. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound Lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. So not only is he fighting the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees, he's fighting the work of the devil in place right here. Here in Luke, he speaks of Satan, who has bound this woman with an infirmity for 18 years. For 18 years, she was not able to stand up straight because of this infirmity. Jesus says, Satan caused it. That the devil does this, that he persecutes, that he attacks, that Satan does tempt, that Satan does attempt to thwart God. If Jesus believed it, if he said it's true, we have to believe it. How can we disagree with Jesus? Those are the words that are written and read, and they are true. Satan is real. God says so. Let God be true. And every man a liar. What about death, sin, and eternal punishment? What about not all will get to heaven? Everybody says, oh yeah, I'm a good person. I'm a moral person. I'll be there. Man says, 
God won't send me to hell. I'm a good person. I will get to heaven. Let's see what Jesus says, shall we? John 3, 3. John answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again. This is the discourse of Jesus and Nicodemus, the Pharisee that came to him by night. Jesus himself says, Except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. I did a whole sermon on ye must be born again and how we have belittled it, how we have made it a, a, a joke. But Jesus himself says you must be born again. Nicodemus, like most of us, had a bit of trouble understanding that turn of phrase. John 3, 14, Jesus is still speaking with Nicodemus. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is John 3, 15. It says basically the same thing as John 3, 16. So this is what Jesus told him. This is Jesus' very first foretelling prediction of his death. That as Moses lifted up the serpent in the camp of the Jews as they were leaving uh, Egypt, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up. What serpent? Moses lifted up the, the, uh, the serpent of brass, that all might look on the serpent of brass that was lifted in the midst of the camp, that they might live after the bites of the fiery serpents. They had sinned, they, they whined, they groaned, they murmured, lack of faith. God sends fiery servants, or serpents. Those serpents were biting the people and they were dying. Moses said, Lord, we've got to stop this. Lord, Moses interceded for the people. God said, make a serpent of brass. Lift it up in the midst of the camp. If you get bit, you look up and you look at that fiery serpent. That was a foreshadowing of Christ. He just said, as the serpent of brass was lifted up, so must the Son of Man. How do we get spiritual life? If we must be born again of water and of blood, a man must was born of uh, blood one time. We must be born of the Spirit the second time. How must we be born again? How do we get spiritual life? How do we avoid death and destruction? We must look and live on the cross of Christ. Look to the completed work of the cross. Romans 10.9 If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Look and live. That is what the Bible says. Now, as we spoke of Thursday night, if part of the Bible is borne out, then mustn't all of it be true? If it is all true, then there's a couple facts here. Hell is hot. Satan is real. And you must be born again. Let God be true in every man. A liar. That's what you say when you believe his word. Now the very last point we're going to talk about is the lie that the world tells that there is more than one way to heaven. If the Bible is true, if Jesus is God, if we are going to let God be true and every man a liar, then we must discuss 
the very word of life from Jesus. And once again, it's written in red. Means you better pay attention to it. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven but by me. None, zot, nada, zero, zilch. Be a good person? Well, absolutely. But that will not get you to heaven. Be a moral person? Oh, absolutely. But that will not get you to heaven. There is one way and one way only to get to heaven. And that is through Christ Jesus and him alone. Jesus, God incarnate, came to this earth. He lived, walked, taught, healed, suffered, and died. Yet he didn't stop there. Had he stopped at the death of Jesus, we would have no more hope than the men that claim they are good enough. You're not. You're not good enough. And we have a lot more hope because our Jesus, our Savior, he came, he lived, he taught, he healed, suffered, died, was buried, but then he rose again. And that's where in the hope of us come from. That rose again is what sets him apart from all the rest of creation. For no one resurrected Christ. He brought Lazarus to life. He brought Jairus' daughter to life. Somebody else, uh, Elijah laid on the, the widow's daughter, Elisha, laid on the widow's son and brought him to life. Nobody resurrected Christ. On that cross, he laid down his life for us as the perfect sacrifice. And then he came back and he took that life back up of his own free will that we might have life. He is the resurrection and the life. He now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. If Jesus is God, and he is real, then heaven is real. If Jesus is God, and he is real, heaven is real. Hell is hot, Satan is real, and you must be born again. Romans 10, 9 again. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If all of this is true, then I would very closely look at that verse, Romans 10, 9, and see how I must be born again. For if it is all true, then you might want to see how to make sure you are on the right side of the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. Now, I know I've said, if it is true, a lot. If it is true, then Jesus is real. If it is true, then heaven is real. But you can bank on the fact that I believe it's real. Bible says it's so. I believe it's so. I believe every word in this book. I know God is true. So is his word. 
And I'm praying today that you see it as well. And you call on the name of the Lord. Where are you going to make your stand? Is God going to be true in your life and every man a liar? Or are you going to listen to the man and not to God?